0: Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat.
1: Welcome back, my friends. This is episode 47 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is Byron. I'm here with my buddy Gary. Gary. How's it going, Gary?
0: Doing good how about you today
1: Byron doing good we've got our a uh, friend Brian Marvin on the on the line for an interview today
0: yeah we can not go wrong with that and uh, today Byron's or Brian I'm sorry is gonna teach us the ABC of jiu-jitsu
1: that's right It's is uh, one of his big big uh, principles and uh, and I didn't realize that but when thinking back when I roll with him he uses that quite a bit and it, uh, and it works well bit. for him <laughs>
0: yeah, we have been uh, lucky enough to uh, train with uh, Brian a lot of times, and uh, Brian's taught me a bunch. Uh, especially uh, last time I worked with Brian, he he really helped my, helped out my arm triangle. I was never getting anybody with an arm triangle before, and it's probably become one of my favorite moves uh, just because uh, he sat there for thirty minutes and helped me fine tune it. So thanks, Brian.
1: Yep, that's kind of guys. He's he's one of the nicest guys on the mat, and then when you roll with him. Uh, It's not always the funnest experience, but he's uh, a very talented grappler, and uh, you know that's not fun. But it's he he uh, rolls—he's a beast to just say it. He's a beast, yeah. That's an understatement. (laughs) So, uh, ask him uh, what his goals are, and uh, he—he's got the high high goal of becoming a a world champion at the black belt level, and uh, I've got no doubt that he's capable of doing that. uh, Seeing him perform in the past, so keep an eye out for him. Gary, we've got a quote of the week by George Foreman.
0: George Foreman, the guy with the grills?
1: The guy, yes. And it's funny because that's like the younger generation knows George Foreman is the guy with the grills. Yeah,
0: George Foreman is the guy with the grills. But The crazy thing about it, the the Foreman grill, did you know who got the first shot at the Foreman grill but turned it down? Uh, No, I don't. It was Hulk Hogan. Can you imagine turning that deal down? and uh, seeing all the success George Foreman has. I mean, one little thing different, it would have been the Hulk Hogan grill.
1: Man, could you, I can't even, fa- you're telling me George Foreman did not invent the grill, he just put his name on it?
0: Well, I think whoever makes the grill put his name on it. Yeah. Man. it was. Uh, they wanted to put Hulk Hogan's name on it first, but he didn't think it was going to do do well enough, I guess.
1: I should have got a quote from George Foreman about the grill, like about how it drips the fat away. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you sit there
0: and you watch the infomercial about it, or or even there, and if you buy it in the recipe book, it's got a ton of, uh, uh, you know, it's always him with his recipes. You know, he's got the Foreman recipes, that his own personal recipes. So, can't go wrong with a George Foreman grill.
1: <laughs> but before <laughs> the
0: crazy thing is, that we're talking about a grill for George.
1: That Mormon, is crazy. When
0: he's basically one of the best boxers of all time.
1: Yeah, that's what like like we're saying. If if maybe you're a little younger or not. Not really know anybody in boxing, maybe. I mean, that's the level of boxing that you'd have to have to be at to not know who he is. But he's a, a great boxer, and he had some really famous matches or fights. Uh, here's a quote here. In boxing, I had a lot of fear. Fear was good, but for the first time in a bout with Muhammad Ali, I didn't have any fear. I thought, this was easy, or this is easy. This is what I've been waiting for. No fear at all. No nervousness. And I lost, George Foreman. So think well, about that's a deep quote, right yeah. There. And 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 if you're nervous, you know, before competition, that's not a bad thing. No, no. It, having yeah. a little bit of fear is probably good for you.
0: Yeah, a little bit of fear is good for you, and you know, before competition too. I think the more afraid you are of your opponent, or not necessarily your opponent, but just uh, the outcome and the match, you're going to train harder too.
1: Yeah, like way before. Yeah, having that yeah. that drive that this guy is going to be like really, you know, he's he's training harder than you are. Or, or, yeah. Or, or, See,
0: I always use that. So every time I'm not training, I always have that. You know, somebody else is training, so I better uh, get to the gym and do something.
1: That's right. That's a good. It's a good motivator. It's a, It's different with the like the high level stuff because those people know who their opponents are. But you, you know, there's some unnamed guy in your in your bracket, you know, at that blue belt level or some girl who is, who is training very hard and you get to ask yourself, did I train as hard as that person it did today? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that, that's a little bit of a fear motivator. And he's talking, I think, specifically about, like, during the, during the fight, he didn't have any yeah. fear of Muhammad Ali. He, 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 he knew he was going to win. This is what he'd been waiting for. And he lost that fight without the nervousness, without the fear. He needed some of that, maybe. We talk a lot about controlling your adrenaline and, and, and not being, um, you know, losing because of that and, and, and losing uh, because you're not able to implement a game plan and think about things. But it's important to to have a little bit of a, that fear, that primal motivation behind uh, what you're doing, and it'll help you.
0: Yeah, and I couldn't even imagine, you know, two of the best boxers in the world going at it you're 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 going against one of the best boxers ever Muhammad Ali and you have no fear that's uh, <laughs> that's just crazy <laughs> I just couldn't imagine you know you're that confident yourself I mean I, I wish I had that kind of confidence in myself but um uh, yeah just uh, that high of a level and having no fear
1: and I think that just the fact that he wrote that quote and, and he put it out there is um just because it's so that he's like a He's wanting to share his experience with you, and, and how important it is to to take in these feelings that you have and, and use them for the better.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, like you said, use it for the better. You know, use that fear to motivate you. Uh, train hard. Uh, learn new techniques. Uh, always evolve your game.
1: Well said, Gary. You like that beat coming rolling in like that? Some good yeah, tunes. coming in. It's rolling. <laughs> you know what time that is?
0: That is time. It's time for the article of the week.
1: All right, this This week we have uh, an article written by our buddy Felipe Costa. He was on the show uh, a few episodes back. He was on the show episode 41.
0: So definitely, uh, you know, we'll put a link on, you know, a link to episode 41. But afterwards, you know, definitely after you listen to this episode, uh, check out uh, Felipe Costa's episode, episode 41.
1: Yeah, uh, his and his website is BrazilianBlackBelt.com. Um, he talks about that a little bit during the interview with him. Um so we got a lot of good information out of Felipe uh, when we did interview him, but we didn't get this. This was a, and, and I can see it. Just I mean, having talked to him for a while, but uh, th- his article is called "When did it? When did the student become capable of deciding when the right moment is to change belts?"
0: And you do hear hear that every now and then. I've heard you know students or, or parents. You know, I've heard them muttering. You know, hey. Uh, you know, why is uh, Billy only a uh, uh, white belt? He should be a blue, you know. Yeah, I think I'm going to get my uh, purple belt, you know, next Friday. Uh, I think I'm ready for it. And uh, so that is something that crops up every now and then.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, we were talking about this article before the, the show here, and, and we, I guess we haven't talked about it yet with uh, with the audience or with our friends here, but I hope that we're not uh, as a community going out and asking our instructors you know hey when is when am I going to get my next belt and, and, and making a big deal like that. I can't imagine you know anybody who listens to this show more than twice would have that kind of attitude to, to tell their instructor that they're ready or to big deal it really even you know just keep training um, and keep soaking up the knowledge and and don't don't big deal your belt you know like um, I know you know Gary is uh, very guilty of not big dealing the belt he's I mean he didn't, he didn't do much gi, so he's been in the same belt since he's stopped wearing the <laughs> gi so much. But, you know, he, he doesn't have any problem uh, rolling with guys that are a much higher belt than him. He hey, you buy. know, really,
0: you know, the belt is a heck of an accomplishment. But it, it doesn't matter how long it takes to get there. It's as you're going along, you know, enjoy the journey. So, as Byron just said, soak up the knowledge. It's a, you know, you're, you're learning from so many people you're you're having a great time do you really have to become a black belt three years um you know what's the difference between three years and 10 years Um, it's just a journey
1: yeah and in the article uh you could just tell it really bothers him when somebody uh, asks them when am i going to get my next belt or i think i'm ready for my next belt Uh, what do you think about that he might throw on another year until you're getting that belt, just for just for the question. And he might have been ready to give you the belt, but he, he I think it's a little bit of maturity that he's looking yeah. for, and not not telling him how to do his job. You know, respect yeah. your instructor.
0: Yeah, respect your instructor, maturity. And you know, like I like what he says. Uh, it's not based on a simple fact such as rolling with higher belts. It's a mix of various aspects that only the master slash instructor knows. You know, so we're not just looking at you know you may be a division one national champion wrestler you can come in and and dominate you know probably do very well with one year of training against black belts but does that really mean you're a black belt jiu-jitsu i mean you're probably a black belt in wrestling but do you really have all the jiu-jitsu knowledge and uh, just you can't just go by the rolling aspects it's there's a lot more to it
1: absolutely and gary you mentioned uh Cody had in here Remember that?
0: Yeah, you know, there, there's a quote in there that I love. Um, it's it's highlighted, it's down towards the, or it's bolded, down towards the bottom. You know, he said, the best thing I've heard from a student was, in parentheses, Felipe. don't worry about giving me a bell. Worry about giving me the knowledge. Boy, how would you like to have that student uh, if you were an instructor?
1: That's, that's a, yeah, that's a perfect attitude to have. Um, think about that if, if you're worried about your belt and, and maybe kind of change it to where just worry about the knowledge. This is, I mean, it's so long anyway. You shouldn't be focused on a belt. You should be focused on day to day learning and, and, and smaller goals than that, than, than yeah. your next belt. And you think
0: about everything we do. Uh, to graduate from high school, it takes 12 years. You know, to graduate from college, that's add another four years to it. Uh, You know, to get a master's degree, another two years. You know, to get your black belt, it's a a long journey. You know, we don't have a certain time set, but you have to have that knowledge in between there. You're not going to get that knowledge in a short period of time. It's uh, something you're going to have to soak up, you know, through repetition, through learning, through training.
1: Yep, that is the article by Felipe Costa, It's titled... When did the student become capable of deciding the right moment to change belts? BrazilianBlackBelt.com. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, you can tell he's very passionate about this subject, and it, uh, it's more than like a pet peeve of his. It's, it's something that, he, that really uh, frustrates him when, when students try to tell him how to do his job, I think is basically what it boils down to.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to do that, at, you know, your job and expect to have a job. Yeah. Yep.
1: Exactly right.
0: But I think it's about that time for our uh, interview with uh,
1: Brian Marvin. All right, guys. I, th- I hope you. G- I know you guys are gonna love it. Um, like we said, we, we've enjoyed training with Brian over the years, and and uh, he's since moved away. Uh, we still see him every now and then. He comes in the town and, and is happy to smash us for a little while. So uh, and you, you'll catch his uh, ABC of uh, jiu-jitsu, and uh, if you're not already doing it, you need to start adding that to your game. So here goes the interview with Brian Marvin. All right, my friends. I have Brian Marvin with me on the phone today. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. Brian is a, a old friend of of the show. Uh, me and Gary's. He used to train here in Wichita with us, and now uh, he's uh, he's moved uh, away quite a while a while ago. And uh, you're always always see you online. You're training hard. You're competing, and and uh, you've always been a, a monster on the mat. So <laughs> figured you were a good one to get on the show. I really appreciate it. If uh, somebody doesn't know who you are, could you describe uh, who you are, where you train, and and kind of what got you into jiu-jitsu?
2: Um, I'm a Gracie Baja black belt. I'm a first-degree black belt. I got my black belt from Master Carlos Gracie Jr. in 2011 after I won the Pan Ams as a brown belt. The year prior to that, I got second in the absolutist brown belt. I've been training jiu-jitsu since, uh, I don't know, 05. Six somewhere in there. Um, I've been active duty army for almost twenty years. I retire in December, so uh, I was coaching wrestling and I had wrestled uh, pretty much my entire life and wanted to get back into competing. And uh, the easiest way to get back into competing is is submission grappling or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I ended up uh, the only place I had a school uh, when I lived and worked up in St. Joe, Missouri, was an MMA school. So I started doing, you know, some no-gi stuff, some mission grappling with those guys and they convinced me to, convince me to fight, I don't know, eight times. And then I moved to Wichita, trained with uh, Byron and, and Gary and those guys down there and ended up fighting one more time and then got into uh, a school that just had Gi Jiu Jitsu and then after that I stopped fighting and really started to concentrate on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So um, I've, I've trained and competed ever since, the, you know, I took up Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And uh, and that's where I'm
1: at now. I always, uh, from the best I could remember. Sometimes my mind gets mixed up, but you were talking about doing MMA, and and, and just you're going out there and you're going to submit the guy. And i was like, why don't you just do jujitsu? Like <laughs> that's all you're right. going to do is go submit the guy. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about all the strikes and with like that. And and then I thought that was kind of a like you were like I, I don't remember particularly any of your MMA fights, but I imagine a lot of them ended with a with a submission or a triangle or a dars or something like that, but um but like your goal it seemed like to me was to go submit the guy and Yeah uh, punching
2: somebody in the never in the face had never for no apparent reason never really appealed to me but but uh definitely submitting them or choking them has. Um I think I I was seven in one in MMA, five of those seven were with uh I believe in Americana. I submitted okay. with the same same submission and then the other two, I had one in a crucifix and punched him twice and the head and the ref stopped it. And the other one, it was a, uh, um, I think a Tikio for, for strikes or something, but, um, I, I'd, I'd had him, his arms wrapped up or something. But, yeah, once I got to a place where I could concentrate on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in, in the gi, you know, I still do no gi stuff too, um, but once I got to a place where I could d- do straight up Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, that's where my focus went to. I, I stopped fighting, and, you know, I, I still coach people. I still help people that, that do fight MMA because I have experience with that, so I can help them with those situations. But, you know, my, my focus is on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, and uh, teaching and training and so all three of
1: those. Cool. And what, what kind of a style do you have to your Jiu-Jitsu? What kind of game do you play?
2: Um, a lot of people say I have a smashing style. I believe in uh, basic... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you, very rarely are you going to catch me doing a bolo. Can I do a barrel bolo? Yes. Do I want to do a bolo? No. I want to stay on top, I want to smash, and I want to submit you. Um, I've got a, an attacking style, and I've got a, a, a motto that's it's always be choking. ABC. So I'm, I'm always <laughs> trying to choke. Anytime I can be attacking, I'm trying to attack. So I'm, I've got a very uh, aggressive, I guess, style of Jiu-Jitsu. I don't like to sit around and wait. And I like to get after it right away and uh, work on a submission against you. I'm not trying to win by an advantage or in a point. Uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to finish the fight soon. Do
1: you think your your wrestling background helped you get that uh, heavy pressure style, or is it something you more developed just as you just I
2: believe so too. I, I believe I believe it has because uh, I transitioned pretty well from um, wrestling to. To Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I don't know if it's because I started in in no gi first, you know, with submission grappling, MMA, and then went on to the to the gi, or or what it was, but um, I not I just think the, the wrestling mentality of you know pressure and uh, your hips are really kind of led to to that style.
1: Cool. Uh, where are you training at now, and who you're training with? And
2: um, I just opened up. My own academy, uh, Gracie Bosch Sugarland, in Sugarland, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston, Texas. In July fourteenth, so uh, it's been open for two months now, almost two months. So I, I just opened that up. Uh, so I'm working on client-based, uh, on students. Um, I've got a, a small team started, and, and we signed up probably I don't know two to two to eight a week uh, that uh, that are looking to train. Our biggest program that we've got right now is a kid's program. Um, I love teaching kids. I mean, they they, they literally crack me up. And, you know, they're our future in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, obviously, I like teaching adults, too, and I get to train with them a lot. But, you know, the kids, you know, are the future. It's, It's fun to see them progress from not even being able to do a hip escape the first time and trying to explain to them what you want them to do and then when they get it, it just like clicks in their head, which just it's a very rewarding, uh, thing to see. And, um, I train with, um, there's a, there's a wealth of knowledge down here in, in Texas and in, uh, the Houston area. Uh, Professor Draculino is down here. He's, uh, I don't know, 30 minutes away from me. I get to train with him and his guys every once in a while. Uh, Professor Opiano Malachias is down here. Um, I used to teach at his school. He's a, a huge um, influence uh, in my life and, and helping me. I've got uh guys in uh, Greece and Baha and Katie that uh, I think they've got uh, Professor uh, Ted Stickle over there and uh I think they've got three other heck three other black belts over there that I get to train with. And there's uh, there's probably, you know, ten to twelve really just exceptional black belts most of the people I train with are Gracie Baja guys because it's so easy with the how the the Gracie Baja system works. I, I drive over to Austin. and I train with Professor Gunji or I drive to uh, San Antonio for for Army stuff. Out process for retiring, I get to train with uh, Gracie Baja in uh, in San Antonio. So I mean, it's just wherever I get to go in, in Texas, there's there's those guys around there.
1: So. sounds pretty sweet over there in Sugar Land. Get a lot of stuff nice, going right by you, nice and sweet. Um. You mentioned that your kids' program is off to a good start. How did you do that?
2: Um, really by um, when Professor Alpeano let me start teaching his kids at uh, Gracie Baja Um I never really, you know, I, I coached wrestling, so I taught bigger kids, you know, high school kids and stuff like that. Yeah. But I never really taught little kids. And once he let me start teaching the little kids, I mean, it was just crazy how much fun it was and, and just the excitement. I'm a pretty excitable person anyway. You know, I like to laugh and have fun. And, you know, I want the kids to, you know, be disciplined in in the stuff that they're doing. But I also want them to just absolutely love what they're doing as well. So by Professor Opiano giving me the opportunity to do that is when, you know, um, I really got the love for, for teaching kids and it's just it's just grown. As uh, kids come in to try out the class, they just absolutely enjoy it. And, uh, you know, they refer their friends and, and their friends. And, heck, I've even got uh, uh, two families that um, the kids, the moms, sorry, the the kids, and uh, now the mom is training. I've got a women's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, too, specifically for women's self-defense and uh, women's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've got two moms that are training now, so I've got, literally I've got a mom and three kids that are training, a mom and dad and two kids that are training, um, in the
1: school, and it's, it's awesome. That's awesome, and it all started with the kids coming in and training, and then the parents getting roped yeah, it. Yeah, started with the kids coming in. <laughs> That's funny. That's good, man. That, that shows that the parents uh, watch you with their kids, and they they appreciate what you're showing them, and they they want a little bit of the of uh, some jujitsu action for themselves, I guess.
0: Yeah.
2: I think so, too. Like I said, I I really like teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I I mean, I love competing, but I I love teaching, too. And I like, you know, helping people get better themselves, you know, at at this art, because it's something that is such such a fulfilling uh, thing to do in training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.
1: Yeah. So you've uh, recently opened up your new school, um your your job status has changed to where you're you're a full time uh, gym owner and teacher is that correct
2: well i'm not really a, well i'm a full time gym owner um I've got another um black belt that I failed to mention earlier who I was training with uh Professor Ignacio neto he was the uh, number two ranked brown belt in the world last year he just got his black belt uh two two months ago i think uh, he got his black belt he's competing in the nationals this week and then he's competing in uh Dallas Open next weekend. But uh he he's one of the instructors at uh that I split with. He teaches at my school racing by circle and he also teaches at Gracie by West Chase. So um he I saw him on active duty until December, so as okay. soon as December is up then I'm gonna be a full time instructor. Right now I kinda split classes. When I have to work for the army, a professor Nazo so teaches and then but uh all night classes I teach and then I get a six thirty AM class that I teach too, so
1: Cool. You sound busy. What are some of your uh, your goals you have for the the school or your competition career?
2: Uh, Competition career, I will. I mean, I'm a Pan American champion. I will be a world champion. That's one of my goals. I I want to. I competed in the world championships last year, and I got beaten in the quarterfinals by uh, Professor Fabio Leopoldo. Um, I felt great in the match the, the first round. I uh, had a, a fourteen second submission uh, with with a straight armbar that I like to do. Wow from uh, from guard. But uh, you know I was feeling great against uh, Professor uh, Fabio Leopoldo but ended up falling short in that one and uh, you know my goal is to become a world champion. And then the goals for the school is, you know, to bring um, the greasy greasy Baja style of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to the Sugarland area. Uh, it's already in the surrounding areas, you know, there's uh, one of the other suburbs, Katy, and then uh, uh, Champions, uh, the Woodlands, uh, Webster, and then uh, West Chase is all uh, all has Gracie, all have Gracie Bajas, and then uh, in the Sugarland and the Missouri City area, bring it down there to those guys, uh, so that way they can take advantage of not only the the network of being able to to move between schools and see you know some of the other instructors like. Like I guess that Professor Draculino or some of the other guys, but you know, just uh, how you know the discipline, the respect, and you know, teaching and instilling that into into the students.
1: Sounds like some some really good goals, and uh, I, I know you're a guy who's always pushing yourself and and getting better. So, uh, looking forward to seeing you compete at the at the worlds next time, and that'll be exciting. And, and I know your school is going to do well and and uh, help Jujitsu and in in, in the area there. I really appreciate it. Thank can, you. Can you, uh, since you've got your black belt, can you think about maybe something that you've learned or figured out about Jiu-Jitsu that you didn't really realize before that?
2: Um, since I got my black belt. Since I, um, when I moved to Tennessee in 2008, I lived in Tennessee from 2008 to 2012, and when I moved there, I was a brown belt. I just got my brown belt from uh, Professor Tusa uh, from Gracie Baja, New Mexico, a huge competitor, huge influence in my life, um, just a, an overall outstanding guy. And I got my brown belt from him um, before I moved to Tennessee. And when I moved to Tennessee, I like, literally walked into one of the gyms and I was like, hey, I'm just shooting a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu program. And they didn't have an instructor there because where I lived was outside of an army town. And uh, he's like, well, you know, you're a problem, you could teach. And I wanted nothing to do with teaching at the time. Nothing. All I just wanted to do was train and compete, train and compete, train and compete, train and compete. <laughs> and uh, through teaching, I found that two things happen. One, it, when you have to explain the technique, you have to thoroughly understand the technique. Just going out on the mat and doing something and not having to explain to somebody, like, hey, how did you do that? I don't know, I just did it. You know, it's, I've always done it that way. But having to talk through it and explain it to someone, you know, really made you understand the positions and, and the art itself. So I think. Th- Maybe one of the things that I realized, maybe not a black belt, because I I started learning a a brown belt, and a lot of people don't get the opportunity as a brown belt, but being able to teach, you really, really, really start to understand the techniques and how the position itself works, and and the finer, finer details of that position. One thing that I would suggest, you know if if you're a a white belt or a blue belt, and you're coming up in the art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and you're like, well you know, I'm not going to be able to teach, and obviously if I'm out there trying to tell people how to do this technique, my professor, my black belt instructor, is going to be like, hey, stop talking. You know, I'm the one that <laughs> teaches the technique. You obviously don't know as much as I do, you know, not step on toes, but I would take notes. So through taking notes and having to describe the technique that you just saw in your own words on a piece of paper using pen, you know, with a, with a notepad, I think that it will help a newer person of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu understand the positions and the and the techniques better.
1: Yeah, and I, so many people that are at a high level recommend taking notes, and it's it's such a difficult I think a difficult thing to do if you don't make it like a habit. Like if you put that note bag in your that notebook in your gym bag. And right after class, before you even leave, just write write down what you guys did. Write down a, a few of the details that you noticed. And I mean, that's I think you're ahead of the curve on that because it's it's hard to to write that stuff down the next day, or even after you get home and cleaned up. It's just it's just too much time and and in in distance between when you learn the technique and when you were on the mat versus when you're actually writing it down. That's the way I am anyway. Right. Absolutely. What what do you do before you uh, step on the mat to compete? Or like right up to right up to the match? Do you have any sort of things you like to do ahead of time?
2: Um, you know, mentally review what my game plan is. A- any I compete, when I fight MMA, when I compete for Jiu Jitsu, you know, any any time I really do anything, I kind of have a game plan on what I want to do. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's one of the things I kind of. Um, tell people, too, when they ask me that same question, hey, I'm getting ready to compete for the first time, or I'm a blue letter, or, or whatever, and you know, I'm having trouble in, in the competition, have a game plan. What I, what I tell people is this. If you're driving down a road, you're driving the car. And if you're driving that car, you know where you want to go, what direction you want to go, and you've got your map. And your map are your positions that you're really good at. And any time... You know, you've got an obstacle or detour in that in that road. You know, you get off, you get sidetracked, but you want to try to get right back on that path to your positions. So one thing that I try to do before I compete is kind of like visualize what positions that I want to try to get to or have a game plan if I've seen that person compete or, you know, watch this match prior uh, to, You know, have a game plan on, on what you're going to do and have contingencies to be able to get – okay, well, you know, this is one of their good positions. If they go there, this is what I need to do to get back to where that I, where I need to be. So that's, that's one thing I try to do is kind of visualize, you know, what my game plan is. So that way I can kind of try to stick to that on my competitions. Very rarely do I go out in a competition or before class or, you know, pretty much anything and not have a game plan on what I'm going to do. That, that'd be the It'd be a huge disservice to myself or my students if I go to a class and not be prepared for it. So there's no way I'm going to go to a, a competition and do a disservice to myself or my students and not be prepared for the competition as well.
1: Yeah, and you have a way to get back to your game plan. Should like should you end up uh, on bottom in side control, I, I bet you have an escape that get you back to where you need to be um, in mind already. You know that It wasn't your game plan to be in side control on the bottom, but uh, the way you're going to escape, it's not going to put you in a in a position that you weren't wanting to get to anyway. You're going to end up back in one of your good spots um, to where you get your game plan back on the road.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: So yeah, that is. Uh, I think that's a pretty common mistake for a, a new person is to not really have a game plan or um, to just go out there and, and and just go see what happens. You know, and and that is a disservice to them and or you know to yourself when you do that. Um, have a game plan how it's going to start have a game plan how you want it to progress and it's so much easier when you know this is the pass I'm going to use and if that doesn't work I'll do this it's it's like it's less confusing there's less uh, like stress involved with it I think
2: I, I would completely agree And about the only time that I don't I don't uh, go into a, a role with a game plan is a lot of times when i 'm training a lot of times when i 'm training, I have no game plan on what i 'm trying to get to unless i 'm i 'm getting ready for a competition as soon as I get in get ready for a competition mode, my game plan starts coming to effect but if i 'm regular training with students or anything like that i 've got no game plan a lot of yeah. times you know the other thing I learned as a uh, as a brown belt when you, when you 're an instructor at a school that has all lower belt levels you 've got nobody like that you know world champion. Black belt like Tusa was to push you to to get to an exceptional level. You know you've got to put yourself in the in the worst possible situation. You know let that student work on that path that you just showed up to get to mount or to get to just an insane controlling position on you, and then you have to work to defend to get back to where you want to be, get back to that closed guard, get back to that you know that top side position. And I I learned that at brown belt too that you know. There's only one way to get better when, when your training partners maybe aren't at the level that they're going to be to push you. Everybody can help you. The, the newest, newest, newest white belt can help, you know, a, a, a multiple-time world champion prepare for a fight if if you're working in the team aspect. Yeah. So yeah. when a when a person is out there training, they've got to realize that you know just. Training with other students within the gym is helping everyone get better, so sometimes I think um, you know because I, I talk to guys at the gym too when they're discouraged about how oh, man, I keep getting in this position. I don't feel like i'm uh, I'm helping out by by training, man, more times than not, you're really, really helping people, even if you think you're not, then you're helping yourself as well. so I, I would definitely you know bring that up as part of the, the topic.
1: So it's kind of like a a, a positional sparring with with somebody uh, who may not be as skilled or as uh, dominant on the mat with you, but you throw them in a, in a position that's good for them, and it'll help you um, work on your you know your escapes or your weaknesses maybe, and and it really helps them develop some attacks that they would never really get to do if you just beat the crap out of them all the time, right? <laughs>
2: right, and, and you know if you do that too, you know you got a guy out there. You're a you're a purple belt, or you know you're a brown belt, or you're a black belt, and you got you know a bunch of new newly promoted blue belts, or some you know new white belts, or some mid level white belts out there, and you're constantly just kicking the crap out of them. You know they can get discouraged. Yeah. And 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 really, we I I think we used to I I, I, don't, I can't remember if it was there in Wichita we we brought this up, but. It was like, man, you don't want to be a mat bully. Why Why would you want to be a mat bully? That's your teammate. You want to try to help them get better. You don't need to be a mat bully, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: That's
2: basically what it is. You're 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 out there beating up on these guys that want to learn. Like, literally, you know, all the white belts that are out there, all they want to do is learn. And you're sitting out there just beating them up, you know, being a mat bully, and they're not learning anything. They're yeah. learning how to how they not want to be, you know no, what I mean? it's not
1: fun. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you got to make it fun for the new for the new guys. Even like uh, maybe the first few days, down, they're trying to kill you, so you have to control that. But after they kind of calm down, right, right. You, you know, yeah, protect yourself. But when they kind of calm down, you know, let them work a little bit, and it's better for both of you. Exactly. Uh, let's say you've got a student you know, you're coaching. Um, it's his first tournament. What advice are you going to give him or her uh, going into that tournament?
2: Position. Not necessarily get to a position because everybody says get to position for a submission. No, just worry about you know your body positionally. You know, keeping those elbows in tight. You know, keeping that chin tight, because you know the, the fundamental things that go wrong at, at, at the beginning level is you know you get those arms extended to give your arms as targets for arm bars. You know, you, you raise that chin up to do a bridge when they're in side control or, or on mount, and your neck is like goes from having no space to you know six inches of neck. To be choked, so just remember positionally. You know all the things that you trained before. Keeping those, I mean, I, I mean, my kids that I teach know when I say, "What do I do with my elbows?" Super glue them to your body. Then they literally the first thing they say when I say, "What happens with my elbows?" Super glue them to your body. Exactly. So just remember those positional things that you know. Even if you don't know all the moves in the world, or even if you know you're not the, the best guy, you're tra- or, or girl, you know you're going out there to compete, which great experience just remember your core positions of keeping your elbows in keep your hands up keep your chin tucked you know and, and and worry about your hip pressure and then the rest will come from there you know that that basic arm bar that everybody knows that basic cross collar choke or or whatever you know even if even if you're just in a, a mad scramble getting back to close and working that sweep and you win off of a sweep you know it's the core positions that are going to um Get you where you need to be. I mean, if there if there's one thing that I truly truly believe in, and that's basic fundamental Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I, I do. You know, I, I do the, the heck out of a Dars. I've been doing the Dars <laughs> Dars choke since I, I mean, since I was a white belt. I think I've been doing the Dars choke, and um, I, I still do the Dars today. But it's a fundamental choke that I learned as a white belt, and then. And I just do insane stuff with it now. Um, that lapel choke, the Bravo choke—I've been doing that since I was a blue belt, and and now I do it from everywhere. But as as far as that, that's about as flashy as I get. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a I'm a big get to mount front choke kind of guy. I'm a I'm a, a big um, straight armbar guy. From when people plant their hands on the ground because on the ground because they're not paying attention to where their hands are going. Um, that's how I won that, that match in, in the World Championships. You know, I, I worked uh, the position to the ground. Um, he planted his hand. I immediately went to the straight arm bar and 14 seconds into the match, the match was over because, you know, just a simple mistake if he put his hand on the ground, and I'm going to take it every time. Um, I'm, I'm a big, fundamental Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy. Um, do I know how to do fifty-fifty? Yes. Do I know how to do the Barambolo? Yes. Do I know how to do all kinds of the crazy uh, you know that uh, um, what's the team called Oh uh, guard. yeah, Worm Guard. Yes. Did, did I use the Worm <laughs> Guard for like two weeks and be like alright, now I'm back in my regular game? Yeah, of course I did. I, I experiment with stuff all the time. I'm never trying not to learn things, but all I always get back to my club was in Jiu-Jitsu. So if there's one thing that I would suggest to anybody out there is you know, don't forego the core fundamental of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for all this crazy, flashy stuff. Is it good to to do new things? You know, one of my professors of Rafael Barata, he freaks He uh, invented the Barata Plata. Do I use that? Yeah, if I get in that situation, absolutely I'm going to use a Barata Plata. But you know, it took him, I remember when he first started doing the Bronx Plata and it was in 2008, 2000, 2007 is when he, I think he first started in the Bronx Plata. And now we're in 2014, seven years later, and now it's, now it's getting pretty popular, the Bronx Plata is. So, you know, it took him seven years to develop it to how it is. And if people, you know, the, the Baron Bull Samuel Branca, you know, is into that in, what, oh2 and now, you know, over the past, Four years, everybody's like, "Oh, the Barth, the pluck And man, Summer bar has been doing that since like 2002 or 2006. I can't remember when it was, but yeah. you know, now now people are saying, "Yeah," because it, it's been developed over the years. So if, if you if if you're a new guy and you're like, "All right, 50-50 is where it at, where it's at," and then sees only the future fifty fifty, and you have no idea how to do core fundamental Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you're in trouble. Yeah. or you know, the core principle of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> Self-defense. You're not gonna. I, I, I saw a, a, a hilarious thing that Kit Dale put out. Yeah. Uh, today. It, 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 did you see it too? Kidney. Oh, kid it's today. A, uh, rapper, where they bump into each other. And they're like, "Oh, actually, you don't kill Cornelius. I did this other. And he scoots on his. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. He's yeah. like, "Hey, you're
1: weird. Get away from me. Yeah, it was you funny. But well, you would never start a, a self-defense situation uh, right. on your butt chasing the guy down.
2: Right. That, right.
1: That's why. I mean, that's hilarious.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the core principles of jujitsu, jitsu you know, and fundamental techniques are always, always, always going to be worth it. And if you watch the world championships, the armbar is going to win a world championship. A wrist lock won it two years ago at the black belt adult level. A wrist lock. Yeah, I won a, a world championship with a wrist lock. You know, and, and it's right there. Not, nothing, you know, nothing super flashy. I mean, granted, are you going to be able to score points? Does it look good? You know, is it, is it is it a very involved technique? Yes. But those guys at that level took years to develop that, and they didn't just jump into jiu-jitsu and say, hey, today I'm going to you know, get away from, I'm a, I'm a white belt or a blue belt, I'm going to get away from that armbar to try and test the technique, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start working a, a bare bowler from 50-50. So, yeah. That's, um,
1: that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're never, you're never wasting time if you're working on your fundamentals. And and it's so easy these days with like YouTube and all this stuff out there to just get jumped on and, and try working on some stuff that's that's like the new, the new fad and and, and who knows if it's going to fit you well. But the fundamentals they fit you well. I mean, no matter who you are, you've got to you know keep your elbows glued to your <laughs> to your side and you know keep your uh, keep your base and your balance. Um, now you wrestled your whole life up until jiu-jitsu basically did you i mean maybe even after that but so you had a good wrestling base and and when i when i met you you'd been doing uh nogi for a a little while but but you were you would pull guard and triangle everybody and i thought that was funny like here's this guy who's like a and and i see you wrestle you're a really good wrestler but here he is he's not even worried about that he's pulling guard and he's throwing up a triangle and it was like how do you beat him like you know even if i do take him down i'm in his guard and if he wants to be in my guard he'll do that too like what was your your mindset you know to developing your game plan to where like you, you decided i'm gonna work on my guard and i'm not just gonna wrestle like that's so easy for wrestlers to to get in that mindset i just want to play top i want to you know i want to pass get some points to where you were pulling guard and you and you weren't really forced to do that what was your 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 game plan behind that or your mindset
2: My mindset behind that is anytime that I train, I always try to train on my weakest possible thing. You know, when I was fighting, you know, I was working on my stand-up because I was never a really big stand-up guy. So, you know, 75% of my MMA training was geared towards my stand-up to get my footwork right, to get my, you know, my hands working the right way, my feet coordinated with my hands, coordinated with my brain. But when it came to my ground game, I felt comfortable on top but I felt uncomfortable on my back. So I think that's why I made a, a, a good transition because I put myself in the worst possible scenario in my training. Where does a wrestler not want to be? On their back. They're trained. You know, don't go to your back. Always belly out. You know, work on that top position. You're working on, you know, halves, cradles, you know, keeping that head control of your hips, uh, on your toes. You know, and if I would put myself in the worst possible situation of getting smashed on bottom, and I, I brought this up to um, my class yesterday when I was teaching. Anytime you're on bottom and you're not in guard, your sole objective in life, other than defending, is to get back to closed guard. That's the only thing that you should worry about, is getting back to closed guard. Once you get back to closed guard, you need to work on a sweep, you can work on a submission, you can work on anything else. But that's, that's what my mindset was when I first started training, was be in the worst possible situation that you could be in, the most uncomfortable spots that you could be in, and then work to develop it from there. Develop your, your weakest link first, and then the rest of the stuff will get better. And, you know, I could have very easily concentrated on my strong suit, and which was wrestling in top, but that would have never fixed my suit. somebody would have put me on bottom, I would have been in trouble. So I think if, you know, you have that mindset of know what your strengths are what your weaknesses are, you know, develop your strengths, but always constantly work on your weaknesses. Weaknesses have to take priorities over your strengths. Your strengths you're always going to fine tune that stuff, but you've got to turn your weaknesses into the strengths, and your strengths into just like domination.
1: Yeah, um, somebody we interviewed uh, a while back, they said, "Hey, if you're not the best wrestler in your entire in the entire bracket, in that in, in your whole game is a wrestler, you're going to lose." Like, like you need to have other options you can't be so one dimensional that you can't be taken out of that out of that game and that um uh, the bgg brick podcast is um the brick idea is like you have a, like a couple of really good moves that you that you that you've worked on and and, and it feels like you're smashing somebody with a brick um when you get the opportunity or the position to use them it's almost like it's unfair you know like they in competition they don't even know they're coming you know it's it's a it's a huge advantage to to have you know one or two really good bricks in your arsenal that you could, that you could throw. And, and I always thought, you know, you got that, I'm sure your game's changed, but you, like you mentioned, your darts, you've been doing it forever and your, in your triangle and, and, and your passing has always been like, I think about you and, and, and if you have any bricks, I'd say that those are the ones I remember about you and like how important it is for you not to just play around, you know, learning little moves all the time, but you are always working on those, on those techniques that you're already really good at too. Like, 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 we just talked about you working on your weaknesses, but like, the, the the attacks you have, they're always getting better. It seems like.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm always trying to to refine how how I do and how I get to those techniques. Um, you know, I keep bringing it back to the class and what I talk to my students about. But yeah. then, you know, it's a big, big part of what I do as a jiu-jitsu guy. If I don't believe in it. Then why would I why would I teach it to my students? You know, and not I think it was literally two weeks ago I challenged my students to take. You know, if, if you've got a three roll training session or a four roll training session, take one session to do nothing but study how the body reacts to when you go to pass their guard. Where do the where do people traditionally put their hands? You know, where do their hands go when you go to mount? What what is their reaction? You know, when when you do. Whatever position, just study how the body reacts to what you're doing. And then from there, put together trends. Okay, well, generally, when I go to mount position from here, this is where their hands go. Okay, well, that's a trend. What can I do to capitalize on that trend that I've created by doing this path to you know X amount of people? So one of the things that I think helps um, you know really refine – your techniques, and, you know, get into the intricacies of of what you're doing is when you study how a person reacts, and then you put those reactions together as trends, and then you develop a way to, you know, work against the trends that you see time after time after time. You know, if if I open up a door, and every time I open up a door, you know, I get punched in the face. (laughs) The next time I open up the door, I get punched in the face. I open up the door, I get punched in the face. I'm going to stop opening the door. I'm going to walk to the next door, and I'm going to try to open up that one. Or when I open up the door, I'm going to duck and I get punched in the face. You know what I
1: mean? Or <laughs> we'll be, I'll be looking for a options. window. Yeah, right. yeah.
2: I'm, I'm going to study the trend and not, you know, not capitalize on the trend that I see.
1: So. I think that that's that's real nice because, um, you know, we, we train. like Okay, they're you're going to put their hands like this when you pass the guard, but. You're going to pass the guard differently than I'm going to pass the guard, so they're going to react right. in a unique way. To where what right. you do next isn't going to work for me because that's not how, I, how I'm passing. So it's like a, a way to kind of individualize your your own development and training uh, to to your style and, and 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 help it move on to that next level. That's really cool.
2: Exactly, I mean, and if you ask, if you took a poll and you asked, you know, 15 people how to do. Teach me to do an armbar from guard right now. You're going to have about 15 different <laughs> different explanations on how to do an armbar because everybody, depending on their size, their strength, their flexibility, how they were taught, and what they've developed, is how they do an armbar. So th- the key is just like what you said, you know, how you pass the guard is going to be different than somebody else passes the guard. When I teach an armbar, and I tell people all the time, you know, that there, there are two things that that one that I like about Gracie Bob, they've got a fundamentals program, they have a curriculum that they follow, and it's taught by everybody, like we're in week 15 this week, and you teach week 15 literally by the book. You know, this is how you do these techniques. And then from there, you know, the student has to find it within themselves to kind of develop based on their flexibility Or they say, hey, Professor Brian, you know, I can't get my foot here. You know, what what can I do because of my flexibility and my mobility isn't allowing me to do that? Then you can get into it a little bit further. Okay, well, based on your flexibility, you know, this is something, these are some avenues that you can go from there. But, you know, you've got to, everybody's going to have to find out their jiu-jitsu for themselves. I can't use, I mean, I can learn the stuff that, you know, Inacio does. You know, I've learned from you. You know, when we were training, there's stuff that you do, but like, man, Byron, show me how you do that. And then what I would have to do is adapt it to me because you're crazy flexible and I'm not or not as crazy flexible as you are, so I don't have to develop it for me, you know. But it's the same core position, yeah. But adapted to my ability, my flexibility, my strength. You know, I'm I'm six foot one, two hundred and you know, ten pounds. You're you're like six foot, right?
1: A little under, but yeah. yeah. Six
2: foot, but you're like what one sixty five something like that, yeah.
1: I've been putting on a little right, bit of I mean, weight I mean, just uh My, my more. style is a
2: lot different than yours. I want to have a lot of pressure. You want to be, you know, maneuvering underneath my, my pressure to, you know, work your hips for, you know, those sweeps or out out the side or out the back, you know, different things. So, you know, people's styles,
1: everybody's different. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it martial arts, but it is like you have to – it's an art form, it, you know, when it comes down to the individual level, figuring out what works yeah, for there, you and your body.
2: There are no – There are no kachas in Brazilian (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu.
1: Yes. Thank goodness. Um, What would be a good goal for a student for their first year of Jiu-Jitsu?
2: Probably um, just that, like, little mini goals. Yeah. And, you know, if if you set, like, a huge goal and you you have no gates along the way to judge your progress, it's going to... You may be discouraged a little bit, so I would set many goals. Like you know, in the in the in the first you know three months when I train, I want to be able to you know do a good hip escape and be able to recover closed guard from side control. I want to be able to do that. Um, so you know, the first three or four four months, you know, they're working on that, and then you know, one thing that I always worked on was. I wanna be able to get to mouth position and maintain the mouth position because, you know, contrary to popular belief, maintaining mount position is kind of a difficult task. Yeah. Because you got a guy pushing on your hips, the guy is squirming, and, you know, and you, you've got your legs great behind back behind. But I want to be able to maintain a mouth position. Or I wanna be able to do an arm bar and actually get an arm bar and not have, you know, his elbow on the opposite side of my hips where it needs to be or have the guy stack me. I wanna be able to do a by my the technique armbar. You know, I, I would just set small goals along the way, you know, with, with those core basic techniques. If you're starting out to 15 you say, I want to learn how to do a barombolo, that's probably not a good technique. You may learn how to do a barambolo. Nothing against the barumbolo. Yeah. But if you don't know how to do an arm bar, then you're concentrating on a barumbolo, you're concentrating on the wrong things. Yeah, I was that's one thing that when I was coaching wrestling, I was an assistant coach, you know, because I was in the army, so I could only help and volunteer coach. I, I was coaching at this at this one school, and prior to moving to Missouri and in Kansas, I was coaching in Iowa. So Iowa style is bang and bang and bang, you know, pressure. You know, I mean, dominating on basic fundamental techniques, takedowns. You know, turns, escapes, you know, stand up from, from referee's position, double legs, high crotch, a single leg. And I moved to, to Missouri and the head wrestling coach is one that teaches these just crazy things. He's like, yeah, but you know, if they can do good at this, you know, people won't be ready for that. I'm like, yeah, but you guys can't even do a double leg, a double leg takedown. Yeah, He can't even do a double leg takedown. How are you going to try to teach this guy this crazy, you know, rolling, spinning technique for this takedown when he can't even do a basic double leg takedown or sprawl and cross face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to teach some crazy thing, you know? And so it was kind of frustrating to me at that level. So that's why, you know, I've always, always been a big fundamentals type of guy.
1: Some of the times the newer guys will look at these matches and they'll see, you know, a guy pull guard, barembolo, you know, hop on the back and end it with a choke, like pretty quick. And they're like, "Well, if I could just get those little series of moves down, you know, I could compete really well." But what they're not seeing is if you did that uh, to the guy who's across the mat from the, the guy who just did that, he's going to pass your your undeveloped guard immediately. Like, there's so much more yeah. at play underneath what you're not seeing that that they're able to to do that you've got to have the, the – I like how we keep going back to the fundamentals, how important they are, because that's it, – it's so easy to get off of the fundamentals and, and to work on flashy stuff, but it, a lot of times you're just wasting your time and your energy, you're not getting anywhere with that stuff.
2: Now, d- now don't get me wrong – well, I, I do agree with you on that completely. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, hey, in order for you to do a barren bolo, you know, you need to be at a brown butter or a black belt level, and you need to develop all these fundamental things. There's there's a blue book that trains with – with Professor Draculino's name is Andy Cordova. But this kid, fifty-fifty Barambolo, He's a, a a world champion. He's he's a blue belt. Yeah, and he's he's like seventeen years old, or I mean, I, I'm sure he's older than that. I'm saying seventeen, but I'm sure he's older than that. Yeah, but you know, I, I train with him, and he's bear, trying to barrembolo me. He's got me locked down in fifty-fifty, and that's great for me because that's his game. And then it, it's my job to try to defeat that game, you know. But if I, if I defeat his barambola or I defeat his his fifty fifty, guess what? He still has the core techniques because yeah. he's been training long enough to be able to say, okay, well that barambola didn't work on that black belt. I better do some stuff that might actually, you know, push him to to do something different. But but absolutely, you know, if if, if you you know continue to fine polish those core techniques, and then develop that stuff, absolutely. You know, but I really don't think of a white belt need you to know now. I think white belt, you should you should concentrate on core techniques. But you know, you get the blue belt. Like like I said, blue belts. When I started working on that Bravo choke, you know, if I would have concentrated on that as a white belt, you know, I probably would have missed some stuff. But I, I I learned it as a blue belt, and I've developed it in as a black belt now. And and you know that that Bravo choke with uh, with the lapel is one of my bread and butter chokes. But you know. I still in a, 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 a core principle kind of guy, and, and I think that you, you can't lose sight of those core principles. So don't, don't. I, I, I hope your viewers don't yeah. think that I can say that I'm saying that. Hey, you know, only do you know arm bars, the guard chokes. You know, don't worry about any of that flashy stuff. You're not supposed to do that. That's not Jiu-Jitsu. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you know, don't lose sight of those core principles. If you if you want to look at a, a, a prime example of you know a person that does. Barely any flashes you get to like a ten time world champion looking Honda Grace.
1: Yeah. He
2: is going to pass your guard, he's gonna get to Mount and he's gonna cross collar choke you every single time. Everybody knows what his game is and he's gonna do it. Does, does he know how to do the ball? I'm pretty sure he knows how to do a bowl. Does he know how to do fifty fifty? I'm pretty sure he knows how to do this thing. But what's he gonna do? He's gonna pass your guard, he's gonna go to out. he's gonna cross collar choke you every single time. So that's
1: two cents. <laughs> um as uh, Over the years, have you been uh, teaching and things like that and, and developing students that, that go compete and also students that don't compete? Can you think of some traits that, that you see in a, in a new student that makes you think that they're going to do well at this?
2: Um, they pick up on the techniques um, quickly. They've got good balance with their hips. Um, they're not getting rolled a lot. Uh, and what I mean by rolled a lot is like when they go to pass the guard their chest is to the ceiling and their their hips are higher than their head so they're as they go to pass the, pe- the person just rolls through yeah. and gets on top. So it, it, anytime any time that you get a a person that's immediately kinda recognizing those things, okay, I need to keep my hips lower than my head. I need to, you know, when, when I when I do this, um uh, switch my hips and half guard. I need to make sure my chest is down, so that way it's not towards the ceiling. So that way, person, I've got no base at that point. People that realize where their base is and kind of how to use their base, um, I have found you know pick up on it a little bit quicker. And and uh, those are the kind of ones that not that necessarily you focus on because I'm going to focus on yeah. everybody, but uh, tend to uh, want to compete quicker and do do fairly well
1: cool Th- those are like uh like physical things that they do can you think of anything that may not be physical like a mental personality trait or something like that
2: sometimes i think if, if you're if you're super smart sometimes you kind of overthink the technique yeah um but you know usually when i teach i, I teach pretty detailed um description of of the technique and you know i want to put my foot here for this reason. I want to use my hand here for this reason. Um, so sometimes I think if, if, if you're super, super intelligent, you, I've, I have noticed that people tend to kind of overthink the position, uh, a little bit. And that, I think that kind of slows them down a bit. I think they just need to, to like literally do the technique and figure it out. I guess is the, is the best term that I can use. Cause nothing is going to be perfect. You know, that, that guy that you're, Demonstrating on, he may move his knee one inch to the left, or one inch forward, or one inch back, and it's going to be different every time. So if you overthink, well, I have to exactly do this. I mean, every single situation, every time is going to be different. You can't run yeah. the same thing over and over and over. So I, I, I think that might be the only personality trait is if you try to overthink things too much, you kind of just gotta let it happen and then refine it from there.
1: Keep going, just push, kind of sure. just more action, more. And, right, and when stuff go. doesn't go, like, right perfectly, don't try to, you know, just keep trying to push through, And especially, like, with the passing. Like, they're going to, like, when you drill passing and you're learning you know, with a partner how to pass, it's way different than when you're trying to pass someone's guard while you're rolling. And that's I oh, kind of hard for the new students to understand that that this, you know, here we go, you learn the pass, you did it, you know, 10, 20 times, 30 times, and you think you've got it, and then you try it and you get swept. And then you try it and you get triangled. Well, yeah. damn! You know <laughs> that's how it goes. I guess
2: <clears throat> it's like that old uh, in living color thing with Jim Carrey. You're attacking the wrong way. Nobody would attack that way.
1: You know? <laughs> nice. I remember uh, a little off topic here, but I remember when um, I don't know where it was, but you and I went and competed somewhere. It might have been it might have been Topeka or Kansas City, and uh, and I had and I didn't. I don't think I told you. But I had it in my mind, I was going to get an plata in competition. And so you, you may not remember this, but because um, I had been doing it quite a bit uh, in class. So, you know, I get my guy and I get him in my close guard and, and I spent like like, like four minutes of a five-minute match with this guy in my closed guard, trying to do an ola plaza, and he was not having I think, any of it. And you go, and you I, finally I go, remember that. Do you really? You go, you go. What are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I remember when you said that because it was like, what am I doing? And I'm freaking getting tired over here trying to work the same stupid move right. over and over again.
2: <laughs> I think I remember. that. I don't remember what it was, but I think I remember that. Like you working like so hard, you like have it in your brain. Like I'm getting this ola Plata. I'm like, what are you doing?
1: That was, I that. I, yeah, that was one of the, not my one of my smarter movements, but uh, and I didn't get. The, I don't think I've ever got a plot in competition, but uh, but uh, I think I just finally moved it, on and, and did okay from there. But it that can't was,
2: happen. There was an old plot in the UFC not too long. There the first one,
1: the first one. I couldn't. Yeah, I. You know, it seems like a few years ago. I was like, I don't think there's been one, but you know, there's so many UFCs. I can't keep up with them all. So I assumed no, that one exactly. happened. You know, but they said it was the first one. What's the. Do you do many Plata's?
2: I do. Usually, if I do an Oma Plata, it's to get to a sweep because yeah. I'm trying to get back on top. Is so, it... um I, I love the Oma Plata. Oma is a great position. I, and I think it's really good for bigger guys, too. If I get a bigger guy pressuring me, I'm going to go to Oma Plata right away, and I'm just going to use their momentum sweep to get on top. So, I, I mean, I
0: love the Oma Plata.
1: Yeah. What's the. What's the the difference between the, the sweep and the and the submission, like is it easier to do the submission with the gion or is it easier uh, does the sweep just happen automatically?
2: The sweep, you know, usually, you know, you push that whole plata and you get that foot behind your knee with the, the leg triangle and then based on that body's reaction, they're immediately very rarely is a person gonna let you put them in a whole plata and yeah. they're not gonna descend right away. So, you know, they step over your head. You, 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 like, barrel roll through, and then that you're, you're up on top. The, the key with uh, the sweep is, you know, keeping that triangle lock and then finishing to your knees. If you can finish to your knees, like, you're going to be facing the same direction. I'm pretty sure you've done this, this sweep a thousand times. But, you know, whether they try to hercules their arm out, you know, you go backwards. Whether or not they try to step over the top of you, you go forward. Or they try to barrel roll, uh, just do a somersault. You push your legs forward. But the key is, you know, finishing to the knees. You've got an automatic wrist lock that's right there because the arm is primed for it, yeah. and then you can step back to mount or uh, pull an E.C. and step over the top to mount. So it's it's a great position. There's really only one um, Ola Plata finish that that I try to do uh, from the actual Ola Plata and uh, Samuel Braga taught, uh, taught it to me um, probably six, six years ago or something like that, and that's the my foot woven into the far side uh, armpit. And yeah, extending my legs. That's about the the only overplot. Uh, so you don't ever I'm go for the actual that. shoulder, sitting out to the side and and grabbing the lapel or, or grabbing the the or trying to get you know the half backwards crucifix position by grabbing that forearm. It's just such a, a, a difficult position sometimes, and um, I'd much rather be on top. Or you know, if they give me that position, and put my foot through there. I'm, I'm obviously going to do that. So
1: it is nice to do on a on a larger opponent because they're like next to you and not in front of you anymore to where that, right. I mean, I don't know how many times I've gotten smashed so bad for trying to arm bar triangle somebody, but the plot to, nobody's going to smash you so much on that one. I mean, they have to get out, but the, the, the pressure's different on the, uh, on right. the defense.
2: And a lot of times, you know, you get a bigger guy, you get a bigger guy and either you can't, it's hard to maintain your closed guard or they're, they're, so big that you may not be able to close your guard, and your feet are going to come to the hips. You know, it's, it's natural to if you get your feet on their hips, control the wrist at your hip, control the back of their elbow, and you're right into the whole. Yeah. Bottom. So it and it's a natural progression right there, uh, from from either position. You know.
1: That's good. I forgot to ask you. I was going to bring up earlier. Uh, what do you do? Do you do any off mat training, any weights, or any cardio?
2: I do. I I do um, a CrossFit. Uh, exercises. Um, I like CrossFit because it's, it's functional fitness. You know, it's, it's multiple muscle groups at the same time. It's not like a, a methyl memory planer type thing where I'm sitting there doing a, a curl or I'm sitting there doing a, a bench press. You know, I'm doing a clean where I'm trying to pull something up off the ground to bring it to my shoulders. Very so much of what you do in jiu-jitsu, you know, when you do the, the standing pass when you pull a person up off of closed guard, sit them on top of your knees, you know, it's it's basically a clean position. So anything that I can relate back to Brazilian jiu-jitsu is what I try to do in crossfit is the, or any functional fitness type exercise is the closest thing I can find that really adds to what
1: I do in Jiu-Jitsu. Cool. Yeah, I've known. Uh, I've got a couple guys that that do that, and it seems like after a little while, hey man, <laughs> you're suddenly All way right. stronger than you were a little bit ago. It's All it's right. kind of funny with jujitsu. Some you know some people come in with no athletic ability, and they they're pretty good at jujitsu after a little bit of development, and they still have that like zero, like exercise off the mat, and and putting on a little bit of uh, time. And in, in training off the mat, it can make, sometimes can make a pretty big difference on some people.
2: Right. And, you know, one of the core things with, with CrossFit is, you know, squats and, and just having strong legs. And that really helps develop the closed guard game or, you know, maintaining that top position. Uh, definitely takedowns and, and passing a closed guard. So, yeah, it does a lot with the legs. And uh, I think that really helps. But any, any functional fitness type stuff, you know, kettlebells help a lot. Yeah. You know, w- working with kettlebells uh, does things because you know it's it's working mul- multiple muscle groups at the same time.
1: So. Cool. That's all good advice about taking your game up a little bit, and especially for uh, competition training. Well, cool. Do you have a way that people can get a hold of you if they're nearby and they want to train or, or, or want to contact you somehow?
2: Absolutely. Um, they can email me at info at Sugarland dot com. Uh, that goes straight to me. Um, or uh, the Greasy Baha Sugarland Facebook page. Just send me messages on there, um, and the the number is on there as well. Uh, then give me a call, shoot me an email, message on Facebook or whatever. Uh, or um, at com, you know, just submit a, a comment or anything like that on there. And anytime that uh, anybody from any school down, they're more than welcome to come train. Um, I, I love. Uh, training with anybody and everybody from wherever they're at. So if you happen to be in the Houston area, I'm literally 15 miles from downtown in the southwest corner right now, 59. Uh, welcome at any
1: time. Cool. Well, I'll, p- I'll put those uh details, your email, and the Facebook page on the on the notes of the podcast there. Make it easy for people to get get you. I appreciate you being on here, and uh I think we talked about a lot of good things, and I think hopefully everybody learned a lot.
2: Well, I really appreciate you having me. It's great talking to you again, and uh, next time I get up in the Wichita
1: area, I'm going to definitely get some training in with you. All right. I get choked out over here. That's good for me. <laughs> all right, man. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. All right. That was our friend Brian Marvin. Uh, he's out of Sugar Land in Texas. That's basically, uh, we're close to Houston. So if you're in the area, uh, look him up there. We've got all the information on the website, how to get a hold of him. Get out there and train with him. He's, he welcomes any guest. And, uh, Gary, are you going to start doing the ABC of uh, Jiu-Jitsu?
0: Definitely going to do the ABC, you know. Always be choking. And uh, when I'm rolling with Brian, I'm always being choked. So uh, I guess when I'm rolling with him, I'm doing the ABC too, but backwards.
1: <laughs> always being choked. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, man. Um it, you know he did mention that you're not always just choking somebody. you have to get the position to do it and then apply that pressure. You know he's not you, if you're on his back, he's not trying to choke you at that moment, but when the position's appropriate, Brian's gonna put some pressure on your on your neck uh bare minimum to distract you. but if you don't deal with it, I guarantee you he's gonna either put you to sleep or uh or at least get you to tap with it like so that's i mean that's win it's win win you know
0: yeah. You know, a tap's a tap. You're 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 putting that pressure on, you're distracting, and uh, and you're grabbing the choke.
1: Yeah, ABC. I'm going to start uh, trying to do a little bit better at that. And You know, I always try to put some pressure on when, when I get in the dominant position, but I need to start looking more for the neck and, and uh, yeah, see what if, I get out of that. If
0: you've ever felt Brian's pressure, Brian's got insane pressure. And, uh, you know, he's getting in that position, and I want to tap from the pressure. And uh, next thing you know, I'll give my neck up.
1: Brian's one of those guys that's like you go from like a you know you start up in a position, you know, guard or you know whatever neutral position and then as the match goes, it gets worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and there's no like back and forth. There's no Yeah, that's a great analogy. And then and then you get tapped. And then you know, and he does play sometimes, but like when when he's rolling a little bit harder, it's like that's how it is. You know, you start neutral. Okay, now you're in a bad position, now you're in a worse position, and then it's like, okay, I'm done, and then you start again. <laughs> yeah,
0: rinse and Very repeat. Very dominating. keep doing it over and over again.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we enjoyed rolling with him, and uh, and if you're in the area, I know you will too, and he's a he's, uh, great teacher, a great instructor. So uh, hit him up and get down there and train with Brian. Gary, uh, we've got these great new Gee patches, and uh, I'd like to give out a couple. I think it'd be fun
0: yeah yeah we're definitely trying to give some out um basically all you have to do is go on to itunes and leave a uh, funny review you know if, if we're good leave us a five star review we we hope we could get a five star review but um definitely leave a funny review and send us an email and let it let us know if it was you we'll read it on air and uh we'll send you out a patch yep how's that
1: sounds good enough you don't have to be a comedian there's a read the last couple there's some funny reviews on there some examples maybe but just uh poke at us a little bit you can tease us you know we got pretty thick skin um uh you know make it make it funny make it interesting don't just say hey great podcast but you know poke fun at us uh it should be easy for you and uh yeah Yeah. definitely email us bjbrick at gmail.com let us know right when you do that review that way we know it's you email us your address i'll get the patch in the mail
0: yeah and just, uh, you know a little patch yeah, it's not a you know big back patch or anything it's a little circular patch and we'll put a picture picture there too so you can see it but uh, nice patches and you know uh, definitely would look good on your gi
1: Yep. we've also got a uh, facebook page Something better like that we're also on twitter but i'm not as good at that as the facebook i just always forget twitter but those those will both have the weekly updates of the podcast when it comes out there is uh, an email list. I think there's like five people on it now. You know, it's, I'm, I'm Boy, so far. i I'm, I'm so far behind on the email list. It's ridiculous, you know. But um, basically, it, if you're not on Facebook on a regular basis or Twitter, and 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 you haven't got the routine that every Monday the show comes out, swing swing by, put your name in the email address, uh, list, and on I think it's on Tuesday you'll get an email. Hey, reminder, the show came out, and it'll say a little write up about what the show's about. Um, but yeah, just started it up recently, and it's off to a very slow start. But that's okay. Yeah, Ended it's okay. Head.
0: Everything starts slow. We're trying to get up to ten. So if we can get five <laughs> this week, we'll be in double figures.
1: We could play. That's like our the, goal for the week.
0: We're doubling it. <laughs> it's,
1: a very, it's a very sad uh, email list, but you know we're not going to do anything bad with it. You know, people worry about their name on their email, but it's just a way to, that we can get a hold of you if we need to, and, and a way to send you the uh, the weekly. Uh, Think about the podcast, you know.
0: Yeah, and if you do send us our email, it'll never be sold, anything of that sort. We're, we're not here to make money. As you can see, we're giving away a patch. We don't uh, charge for our podcast. Uh, we just do this because we love jujitsu. We want to spread jujitsu around the world, and we want to meet new people So uh, uh, that enjoy jiu-jitsu. So we can't go wrong with that.
1: Yep. Gary, next week, uh, but we've got a uh, black belt by the name of Yuri Samoa's who uh, who gives a lot of great advice he's one of the top black belt competitors uh, today but he's a little frustrated I think um, with some negativity that he's received about some of his matches so um, so
0: definitely uh, tune in next week uh, and check it out
1: yeah and if you don't know who who he is uh, look him up watch a couple of his videos he's with he he's rolling with some of the best guys in the world um, occasionally beating some of the best guys in the world and that's caused a little bit of uh, negativity towards him I think. So, uh, definitely be a great episode next week. Um, looking forward to getting that one out to you guys. Gary, what would somebody do if they are a fan of the podcast and they're in Wichita, uh, Kansas for the weekend or something like that?
0: Basically, if you come through the metropolis of Wichita, Kansas or anywhere near here, you know, please send us an email. We're Byron and I, we're both here. We'd love to, uh, roll with you if you come through town. You know, we'll, we'll get you hooked up, let you roll, and, uh, uh, we'll, We'll train together. Can't beat that. We, we'd love to learn from you and, and uh, learn some new techniques.
1: Absolutely, guys. Just hit us up, bjjbrick at gmail.com. Um, all this is available at bjjbrick.com. We'll check. We'll uh, look forward to getting with you guys next week.
0: Definitely. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for your support.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Here is another segment of Unnecessary Censorship. George Foreman, the guy with the The guy, yes. And it's funny because that's like the younger generation knows George Foreman is the guy with the <laughs>
0: yeah, George Foreman is the guy with the <laughs> the, <laughs> the crazy thing about it, the the Foreman uh, Did you know who got the first shot at the Foreman? But <laughs> turned it down. No, I don't. It was Hulk Hogan. Can you imagine turning that deal down and uh, seeing all the success George Foreman has? I mean, one little thing different. It would have been the Hulk Hogan.
1: Man, could you? I can't even. You're telling me George Foreman did not invent the <laughs> Just put his name on it. <laughs>